In this week's episode, I'll be joined by Lee Rubin, who's founder and CEO of Lee Rubin Consulting. And we're going to talk about everything from L'Oreal's new makeup applicator to removing the stigma of mental health support at work and much more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Lee, let's get started. Would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Um, nice to see you, Bernadette. Um, as Bernadette mentioned, I'm a corporate diversity consultant, and I'm focused at the intersection of disability and LGBT equality. I've been on the boards of some of the largest LGBT civil rights organizations, including HRC, the National LGBTQ Task Force, and Freedom for All Americans. And I'm also an Inclusion Works consultant for Disability In which is the leading nonprofit resource for business disability inclusion. Awesome. Well, we're so glad to have you today, Lee. You know, in your work, especially since you do work in the disability field, which, you know, we don't really service that field within our firm. Tell me, what are some of the things that are giving you hope and inspiration? Absolutely. You know, I think COVID made us all reevaluate what's needed to get the job done. And um, at Disability In. We believe disability inclusion is really the next chapter for ESG and corporate social responsibility. And actually, you know, Accenture just did a report using disability ends, um, disability equality index data that showed that companies that champion disability inclusion have higher revenues, better performance, and stronger total shareholder returns, which, as we all know, is true for all areas of ESG and corporate social responsibility. That's excellent. Are there any companies that you want to shout out that you think are doing a particularly good job with this? You know, it's really interesting. I think both Microsoft and Google have made really, really strong um, commitments to disability inclusion, as has LinkedIn. And, you know, these online platforms are really just amazing places for collaboration and for inclusion. Awesome. I completely agree. I think Microsoft was a company I, I included in the five things last year because of their onboarding process and how intentional they are about specifically mentioning all of the ways they are ready to support employees with disabilities. So they're destigmatizing that right off the bat. So every, every employee feels like, okay, if I have something that a challenge that I need support mm-hmm. with, Microsoft's going to have my back. Well, and I think as a Microsoft user, which many of us are, all of the tools have uh, disability features or accessibility features built into them. So, you know, I encourage you to just take a look at when you're using PowerPoint or Word or Excel at the accessibility features built into those products. That's pretty great. 
All right. Well, let's get started with today's show, Lee. Uh, the first story comes from the MCA in Chicago, the Museum of Contemporary yeah. Art. I live here in Chicago. I was really impressed by this story. And what they have done is they have collected work by female, black female artists at seven times the national average. And they're trying to make up for ignoring those artists in particular in its entire history. So about 25% of its acquisitions over the past 12 years are black female artists. Pretty great. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I love the story. I split my time between Fort Lauderdale, Florida and Washington, D.C., and when we're in D.C., we go to the museums all the time, the Smithsonian. And, you know, what I'm seeing is that every major museum is mounting huge shows around um, black and indigenous artists. But they seem much more of a knee jerk reaction than a true commitment. And I think the MCA is the real deal. And the 12 years that they've been doing this just shows that they have a deep commitment. Absolutely. And, you know, this doesn't happen by accident. It, it does require a lot of intention because of the unconscious bias that's that's mm -hmm. built into our system. So I think that there was a quote from the curator who now works at the Guggenheim, and she said something along the lines of, you know, 90 percent of our art is by white artists, 90 <laughs> yeah. percent. And so in order to correct that, yes, there needs to be, in order to sort of balance that out, there needs to be a lot of intention. Yeah. And I think she said white male artists. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. And it goes not just into the curation piece, but also engaging the board and leadership in, in their support and commitment as well, because, you know, none of this actually gets done without that support. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. The next story comes from Signet, which is the parent company of some jewelry stores like K Jewelers, Zales, and Jared's, the Galleria of Jewelry. <laughs> and they have had quite the turnaround behind uh, their CEO, whose name is Gina Drosos. She's a white woman. And when she took over, the company had a reputation for a lot of toxic relationships, a toxic culture, and a culture where a lot of the employees and customers were women. A lot of the managers were men. There were rampant sexual harassment issues. And she's done a phenomenal job of, of turning the company around and seeing a lot more diversity in leadership specifically. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that stood out to me was that they had a class action lawsuit by their employees and they paid out $178 million to 68,000 current and former employees. I mean, that is, that is huge. Uh, but the thing that really intrigued me about the story is how Gina is using data and technology to turn the business around. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that just shines through for me is that data doesn't lie and it allows you to take the hard actions to really end a toxic culture. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the other things that sort of supports that is it's not just about coming up with these strategies, but also building in accountability. Absolutely. And we know now that that Signet has made diversity and inclusion goals part of every leader's evaluation. And I think that we both know in our work that unless there's accountability, especially with leaders and managers, then we're not really seeing significant gains, significant progress. Totally agree. 
Okay, the next story comes from Vansity, which is a Canadian credit union. And they recently unveiled top-notch mental health benefits for employees and their family members, their dependents, $10,000 of coverage annually for mental health support, which is decoupled from other services like chiropractic, naturopathy, et cetera. This is fantastic. We don't see a lot of this you know, in U.S. companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was really music to my ears. You know, the CDC has found that 50% of Americans will be diagnosed with a mental illness or some kind of uh, psychiatric disorder at some point in their lifetime. And because of the cultural and stigma, many minorities are less likely to seek out help. So I hope this becomes a trend and more companies will offer standalone mental health coverage to their employees, because I think that will really start to help to break the stigma. Absolutely, because we know that folks who have experienced systemic oppression in one form of another over decades and and centuries and experienced the legacy of that, they're also more likely to experience microaggressions in the workplace, unconscious bias, and everything else. And so, and you're right, there is a stigma about seeking help. And uh, I'm just really glad that we're starting to see more conversation around mental health, because I do think that it's a very relevant part of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Absolutely. Okay. The next story also about destigmatizing is about how Publicist Group's CEO has launched an initiative to remove the stigma of working with cancer. So there's a new pledge that was unveiled last week at the World Economic Forum that's called Working with Cancer, a cross-industry commitment to end the stigma of cancer at work. 50% of people will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime, but death rates are falling. So they're going to be naturally in the workplace. Yeah, it's, it, it's great. I heard on NPR just yesterday that death rates have fallen 32% from cancer diagnosis. So what an amazing statistic and one to be celebrated. But, you know, this story I kind of had mixed emotions about because I think the stigma is real in the workforce for anyone diagnosed with any kind of chronic illness. And the fact that they did this at at Davos made me feel like it was a little bit of a PR stunt, especially for a huge public relations organization (laughs) like um, Publicist Group. So I think that um, I, I applaud them for doing this but I wish that they were more inclusive in their campaign around all chronic illnesses, not just cancer. No, that's fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. And hopefully this is not just a PR stunt. You know, honestly, Lee, mm-hmm. there are a lot of pledges made, right? And yeah, unless we hold folks accountable to the commitments on those pledges, then again, we're, they're just sort of empty promises. So, Absolutely. um, you know, that's just part of a, a lot of what I, I, t- I find in five things is just it requires a sort of leap of faith and this mm-hmm. this hope that there's actually, you know, kind of some meat behind uh, these these pr- promises, goals, commitments. And, and hopefully I find more stories that have to do with success rather than pledges. But <laughs> absolutely. All right. And today's last story comes from L'Oreal, which recently debuted a handheld motorized lipstick applicator at the Consumer Electronics Show. So it's called HAPTA. 
and it's designed for people with limited arm and hand mobility. You know, what another great story, and it feels like you handpick these stories, especially for me and my disability work, but I don't think that's the case. But, you know, I think this is another great example of how technology can be a great leveler. Um, I had just read an art, uh, a story last week about how Coca-Cola has developed an app that allows people to walk around the grocery store and find Coca-Cola products uh, where they are in the shelves to help people with um, low, low vision find their products. And I think that both of these stories are great examples of how large companies can use their incredibly vast resources and deep technical expertise to make their products accessible for everyone. The, 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 the but here again is that L'Oreal is charging 200 and something dollars for this applicator, and it's only available for their highest end product line. So what I would love to see them do is partner with a nonprofit who focuses on Parkinson's or cerebral palsy and make these devices available to people free of charge rather than uh, just making it an add-on to um, to their luxury products. <laughs> you know what? Fair enough, Lee. Fair enough. <laughs> Throw down the gauntlet. I hope L'Oreal is listening. I hope that these nonprofits are listening and put on some pressure. You know, I, I completely agree. I think that they're talking about adapters that are for other mm-hmm. products as well. I mean, and it's also only for lipstick. What about... Yeah you know, mascara or eyeliner, you know, all of the other things. So yes, it's, uh, it's a a crack in the door of inclusion, but certainly there's always a lot of ways to expand uh, the possibilities there. So hopefully someone who's watching this or listening to this is inspired by this. You know, we talked a lot about big companies today, Lee, any of these stories speak to you about something that smaller organizations can do, can adapt? You know, I think that's interesting. And, you know, one of the things that comes to mind is that whenever we're hosting Zoom calls or team calls, uh, to really think about um, accessibility and all of those products have accessibility built into them. So think about turning on subtitles when, when you're hosting a meeting or, you know, just different ways that you can be more inclusive uh, to all to all the folks who are participating. Absolutely, that's that's great advice, and uh, and I think that you know simply expanding your mental health coverage is something that a lot of organizations can do, big and small, and that's something they could take action on right away. Right. So uh, absolutely, there's always more to do, and there are a million ways to be inclusive. Well, Lee, thank you so much for joining me today. How can folks find you? Well, right above, uh, uh, oh, this way, um, you can check out my website at leerubin.org and um, would love to hear from you. And uh, my email address is lee at leerubin.org. So please reach out to me. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lee. Thanks for being here today. And for folks watching, thank you for all you do to build an inclusive world. Take care. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to 5 Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, 
And I'll see you next week right here for five things in 15 minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI. 